The Daily Tap is live for Monday. We will go over the gutless, heartless, emotional Packers loss and play the blame game. And we're just going to do that. And that is going to be today's show. And we'll see how long it goes. But we all need a Packers therapy session. We don't need to talk about who played well. We'll do star ratings tomorrow. Do Grayson Allen tomorrow. Marquette tomorrow. We'll talk about all that tomorrow. But I think... What we need to just cleanse ourselves of this game, play the blame game, talk about it all, and just get it all out. And let ourselves be a little more free. And have this be a therapy session, not only for myself, but for you guys as well. Um, follow us on social media, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports everywhere else. Uh, also, make sure you're sharing this with your friends, telling them about what we got going on. We'd really appreciate more listens. And if you're a new listener, uh, you just jumped on board, make sure you're rate, rating, reviewing, subscribing, doing all of that as well. So we appreciate that. Let's talk about one of the worst games of my life. Friend Pat had a great comment uh, this morning. He said, you know, no matter what the weather is outside, this day is always the coldest day of the year. Speaking to the day after the Green Bay Packers lose the last game of the season. We have not got to enjoy the elation of a Super Bowl title since 2010. That was 11 years ago. There are kids who are 10, 9, Eight who don't even know about it. There are kids who are even, fuck, 12, 13, 14, who don't have that much of a memory of it. 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds might have a vague Super Bowl memory, but that's it. That's crazy. That's absolutely unbelievable. I'm sure 13-year-old me would have been crying his ass off if the Packers had lost this game yesterday. And I'm sure there are kids who are crying, who went to bed crying last night. I was tearing up in the stadium, and I'm a fucking 34-year-old man. 33. I don't know why I always think I'm 34. I'm 33. 33-year-old man. And I was ready to just, you know, I, Murph and I went to the game together. And we just sat there, and we sat there for a long time, let the fans fill out, and it was surreal. I, I couldn't believe it had happened that way. I knew having the Niners hanging around, hanging around was bad news, but I cannot believe just the listless performance that the offense put in. I I will I'll never be able to get over that. I really won't. They beat these two teams that are playing in the NFC championship game. They were the best team in the NFC. They were right there with Buffalo and Kansas City, and they completely fell apart. The moment got too big for the Packers. Every excuse that we have used for the Green Bay Packers of why they've lost the championship game. We had injuries. We've had, you know, defenses sucked. We've had that they just are inexperienced. I mean, every fucking excuse has been used in the book. And this was the perfect, idyllic situation for the Green Bay Packers to win. It was snowing. It was Lambeau Field. It was the loudest crowd I have ever heard in my life. I've been to probably 15 to 20 Packer games. I have never heard Lambeau this loud, I swear to you. I stood the entire game. So this whole idea that Lambeau, people aren't standing in Lambeau, it was, there were so many fans standing, guys. Like, it was unbelievable. And we still fucking lost. We still lost. I I truly cannot. It's hard for me to wrap my head around it. 
I thought I saw someone do like a poll of where you're at, depression, denial, anger, bargaining. I think those were the four, and I voted depressed because like I am. Like I loved that Bills Bills Chiefs game. I needed that. Like that felt good. I actually didn't get to watch much of the Rams Bucks because my power went out and my phone was dead. So I was fucked. And, I, and my computer also dead. I was like, Jesus Christ, what happened to me? But regardless, I uh, I just it was it was so tough, man. It was so tough to witness all of this and witness what was going on. And how fucking close everything is. And how if a few things break our way, we're okay. Aaron Rodgers is so far up his head, I don't know if he can get out in Green Bay. I just don't. For the first time ever, I and we're going to talk about Rodgers here in a second. But I think he's fucked mentally. I, I He can talk about how... This was the first year I don't give a fuck and I'm just who I am and all these you know people did their circle jerks about Aaron Rodgers and the comments he made and go ahead. I'm glad that makes you happy. But Aaron Rodgers is so in his own head on the field. Off the field he might not give a fuck but he knows what's in front of him. And after watching Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Matt Stafford at times and Tom Brady all come up big in moments. Joe Burrow too, yesterday. All of them came up big. Aaron Rodgers was one of the worst quarterbacks of of the divisional round. I don't think I would ever say that. It's like Dirk Nowitzki who won the MVP and then they lost the Golden State Warriors, coincidentally enough, as an eight seed uh, right out the gate and it wasn't really close. It's a regular season award and it'll be remembered as such. But Aaron Rodgers is this generation's Peyton Manning. He's this generation's Dan Marino. I saw saw a buddy today call him Wilt Chamberlain to Brady's Bill Russell. That's what it is, man. It, it just is. And I think a lot of us tried to push it down. A lot of us thought that maybe a few years would be different, but we're all out of excuses. We're all, we don't have anything left. And... It sucks, and I think maybe that's why it hurts so much more. I said to Mitch, and I know Mitch and I will probably do a, a deep dive on this. Like it's it's the worst loss of my Packer lifetime. There are so many bad ones, man. We know why because we get to the playoffs all the time, and I'd rather have that than be a Bears fan or Vikings fan, fucking cheering on the success of others, or being or cheering on a team losing, or the Lions fans who are cheering for Matt Stafford. And one of the more pathetic things I've seen from a sports fandom in a long time. I'd rather be losing games than dealing being that being those guys or those gals. So this one, though, stings because I think you know everything is changing. You know nothing will be the same next year, and this is it. And this was supposed to be the ascent to the top, and instead we fell flat on our fucking face and embarrassed ourselves yet again. And I'm just so sick and tired of it. I I almost need like a two-year break. I almost need to just go to Hawaii and not care about sports for a while. At least football. Maybe I'll come back for basketball. And baseball doesn't hurt me as much, even though it has hurt me in the past. 
because I don't know how much more I can take of this. And I, I would love to listen back to the Tampa Bay pod I did, which I think I was pretty drunk for, for being honest, because I stayed out that night after the game was over. And I remember doing that podcast. Actually, I don't really remember doing that podcast. But I I don't remember podcasts I do two weeks ago. So it's not like I was like blacked out doing it. But I, I think I said something similar. It's just it gets harder and harder the farther away you get from that Super Bowl. And just remember there's a generation of kids who are maybe wearing their Rodgers jersey on Monday or or at least hanging it up for another year and throwing it down in the laundry and now switching it out for their Giannis jersey. And they realize that they've never seen a Super Bowl. And I really hope that they are not going to wait too much longer. Let's play the blame game. So I mentioned this as this is our only topic. I, I just wanted to do one topic and done. Do a little intro and that's that's the show today. Because I didn't know how much I had in me. My voice, if you can not tell, it's a little rough. Um, the, the Lambo took a lot out of it. And then today I went to Marquette game. Did not help either because I, I got fired up about a few things. It was good to see Marquette win. Helped, helped cure a little bit of how I'm feeling. But yeah, so I'm, I'm in rough shape to say the least. So that's why I wanted to do one as well. So we'll do the blame game. These are the people I feel are most at blame for the Packers losing. And number one is Aaron Rodgers. I know we have already kind of mentioned Aaron Rodgers and mentioned what he did. So I won't try to beat a dead horse. But I think Rodgers is just not the guy that I think all of us thought he was. And I think it's a hard realization that he's just a regular season quarterback, that he does need to get away from here to kind of exercise those demons because I do think in his next spot, he's going to have success and the pressure is going to be off. Although my buddy Henny brought up a great point about the fact that why would you want to go to the AFC right now where he would pretend probably go? There's no way the Packers are going to send him in the NFC unless they think he's so broken come playoff time, they're not worried about it. But I wouldn't trust that. Because if you go to the AFC right now, you have to compete with, with Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Herbert, Lamar Jackson. Those are all guys you have to compete with in that conference. That's absurd. That does not hold a candle to what the NFC has right now. The NFC has a bunch of mental midgets like Rodgers, like Kyler Murray. I even think Matt Stafford's a little bit of a mental midget. I realize he won the game today, but they, I think Dak's a mental midget. So like, I, I think the NFC is full of mental midgets while the AFC has a bunch of ballers. And and it's a, quite the dichotomy. So I'm like, why would, why would you want to leave in that situation? But the Packers might decide they want the freedom. They want to just kind of reshape, retool their roster and break away from Aaron Rodgers. And I weirdly think there's going to be a lot of Packer fans that are okay with it. That are It's similar, man. It's so fucking similar to 2007. And when Favre throws that interception, and we all kind of know it's it might be his last year, we are all kind of okay with it. Because we'd all got our asses kicked like this over and over again. And in the same sort of thing in 2007, it was freezing cold. It was in the snow. It was everything you could have wanted. And they still lost because Favre missed Donald Driver 
for a touchdown. And and Aaron Rodgers missed Alan Lazard. Aaron Rodgers just ignored everything he did the last couple of years. He checked out of so much stuff. If you watch back that tape, because I did a little bit, he checks out of so many things. He was so far in his fucking dome. And I don't know what else that he needs to do besides leave to get out of that space. Sometimes you're just in there and it's who you are. And unfortunately, Aaron Rodgers, regular season Aaron Rodgers plays with confidence, plays with swagger, plays with bravado. Playoff Aaron Rodgers plays like a low-rate quarterback who is thinking about everything except playing football. Aaron Rodgers just needs to fucking ball out. And somehow, some way, someone needs to get through to him. But Mike McCarthy couldn't do it. Matt LaFleur couldn't do it. And now Aaron Rodgers is hampered by his own failures. And it's really it's really tough. It's really tough to have these conversations. But it's, it's hard for me to just sit here and ignore what Aaron Rodgers has kind of done. It was an all-time bad performance for Aaron Rodgers. And he laid the egg on quite possibly the biggest stage. I mean, it was Saturday night. Everyone was watching. And Aaron Rodgers was awful. So that that's where we're at. And that's blame number one. But he's not the only one. There's a lot. I have eight, eight total things. Actually, no. Excuse me. I might have ten. Uh, so I have a lot. But number two, Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur had an awful game plan. I don't understand for the life of me what Matt LaFleur was thinking in this game. I thought Matt LaFleur's play calling was really bad. Now, I know I said a lot about the checks, so maybe this wasn't LaFleur's game call, game plan. And we'll see what LaFleur says you know, today where he'll meet with the media, kind of his exit interview. We'll see what Matt says. We'll see if there's any sort of nuggets where LaFleur's like, yeah, there was a lot there that we didn't use. I wish we did. Um, Matt LaFleur's decision, which we'll talk about rest, to rest his guys didn't really work out. They were light. The Detroit game, man, I, I don't know. I, I, I'll i think back about that one. And it's like, should they have just had the opportunity to not close out that and they needed to win that game and had a little more piss and vinegar? Because yeah, they they did they looked like a team who hadn't played for three weeks. The Titans kind of looked similar. Like the Titans definitely had that vibe of a a team who did not play last week. And so it's funny that everybody talked about the bye and it didn't really seem to work out well for either either team. But back to Lafleur, he just had a weird game plan. It was goofy. His ideas to call the timeouts for San Francisco early was bizarre. I thought that I I get sort of what he was doing a little bit, but I just would have, why not at least get it to the point where it's a Robbie Gould field goal range and then let Kyle make the decision of does I, do I want to take the field goal or try to get a first down and run out the clock? That should have been, that should have been the motive versus trusting the defense to make a stop when they were gassed, they were tired. They've been out there so much. The Packers went three and out, I think, more than ever this season. They needed to one more stop, or I'm sorry, one more first down and then deploy your timeouts. Let San Francisco figure out their own clock management. Let them be the ones. 
And Matt LaFleur got into a poker game with Kyle Shanahan that he didn't need to. He didn't need to get into a, a style of wits. But that's what he did, and he lost. Again, I said this after the Tampa game, and people, I don't think it was picked up because, you know, whatever. And, but, like, I said this. I said, look, Matt LaFleur is a really uptight guy. And Rogers talks about how he needs to settle down LaFleur all the time. It's like he needs to just relax a little bit. And I do wonder if some of that uptight anxiety sort of chaos mind gets to him when it comes to the playoffs, man. That to me is like that that's those are the times where you need to stay calm, cool, and collective. And it seems like Matt LaFleur can't do that. And we've seen other coaches where that is a real factor come playoff time. You need to have that cool demeanor. And at some point maybe he gets there. But this is now three fucking years, two of which you had home field advantage. And I realized last year was a COVID year. Who knows? They have a full crowd. Maybe they beat Brady. But they did not even get to the Super Bowl. How is that possible? I don't know. It, it kind of defies logic. And it's very reminiscent to those Colts teams of the Peyton Manning era. It's a little bit similar to some of the stuff with Marino. Um, Elway in between, you know, he got to Super Bowls and then Denver had a couple years where they would flame it. They famously flamed out at home. Kansas City did too. They didn't really have a quarterback, but it's bad. <coughs> and I don't necessarily know where LaFleur goes from here. And I, I think it just will all depend on if it's Rodgers and LaFleur again, then. They need to work on their playoffs. And they need to think of, treat every game like the playoffs and don't necessarily deviate from that plan. And that that has to happen. And who knows? But if it's LaFleur in love, it's LaFleur in somebody else. He, he just needs to make sure everybody's on the same page. Number three, special teams. You knew it was coming. God damn it. That, that's all I have to say. Like, I, I said a little bit in the review yesterday, which you can watch on Instagram or, or TikTok or Twitter, and I fucking saw this coming. After the Bears game, you can go back and listen. I'll try to dig it up today if I have some time. I, w- I did a whole podcast about how do not let 2014 come back to life. But this is so similar to 2014 where the special teams were the the red thumb and they stood right out. The Packers were pathetic all year on special teams and it finally really bit them in the ass. And I almost wish the Packers would have lost that Bears game because I wonder if they lose that Bears game, does everything change? Does Maurice Strait get fired? Does even Or like reassigned and someone else takes over? Do... LaFleur gets more involved with special... Like, what happens there? But special teams were so fucking bad in this game. There were moments where the kick return were bad. The punt block, you obviously know. I mean, the punt block was one of the most stunning fucking things that has happened that I've seen live in any sport. I, I don't... Baseball, football, basketball. Like, to see that happen live, it was incredibly... 
so stupid and so just awestruck. Like you could drop a pin in that place and hear it. Everybody died right there. Like that's when the life was sucked out of so many Packer fans. Bill Simmons talks about this pre-Red Sox winning the World Series. About how you get this feeling of like, oh shit, here we go again. And that block punt was exactly it. At that point, you kind of knew. It was hard to like muster confidence. Because the, the wind was just sucked right out of you. And it was the thing you feared the most. The only thing I think the Packers did a decent job at was returning the football on punts. I think kick return actually was okay too. But that was it. Field goal got blocked. Could have had those fucking three points, right? Could have needed those. Got blocked. Murray Strayton should have been fired seven weeks ago. And Matt LaFleur hung on to him. Matt LaFleur should be embarrassed. That that goes into the blame. And Matt LaFleur should really think long and hard about this special teams coach. Because he or she needs to be excellent. And they need to be on their shit and need to be one of the best coaches that money can buy. Mark Murphy cannot get cheap with a special teams coach because they need a top-tier special teams program. And whether that's getting it from the Ravens, who always have good special teams, the Niners obviously have good special teams. Like, Start looking at those teams that rate highly in DVOA for special teams on a consistent base. Patriots are one. They weren't that good this year, but they've been good in the past. Again, poach somebody who has good special teams. I said this about the Badgers, who they have an offensive coordinator, which we haven't even talked about. But, you know, like, look at those teams that are similar to you. Look at Cincinnati. Look at Michigan. Get somebody from those teams to run your offense. The same applies for special teams. Just get some of the best. You obviously can't hire their coordinator, but you maybe could hire their assistant, right? And don't let it be a fucking buddy like Joe Barry. Now, I know Joe Barry worked out, but still, that's that was a disappointing hire from LaFleur, and so was this one. He completely missed the mark with Murray Strait, and he tried to basically defend it all year by keeping him, and that bit him in the ass. Blame game number four, Mercedes Lewis. I love Big Dog, okay, guys? Like, you guys know me. I love Big Dog. He's one of my favorite players. But that fumble, I mean, was brutal. And you could also put that fumble on Rodgers. He should never have made that throw. He usually doesn't. Um, but Big Dog fumbling there changes that entire game. Packers had just three and out the Niners. They were on the 42. If Mercedes Lewis catches that ball and keeps on, hangs on to it, Maybe at worst, Green Bay gets a field goal. But at best, Green Bay gets a touchdown. It's 14 nothing, and who knows? The route could be on. And this is an entirely different attitude. And we're talking about Green Bay versus Los Angeles and how this Rams team is entirely different than the one we saw at the end of November. Right now, I think the Rams are the hottest team in the end. I think the Rams are going to beat the Niners if I, had to, if I had to guess at this point. But the Shanahan-McVay stuff. Shanahan has absolutely owned McVay, but we'll talk about that later this week because I do have a topic adjacent to that that's Packer-related, so stay tuned for that. But yeah, man, Mercedes Lewis fumbling that ball changes so much of this game, and you you knew, you just had the feeling, like you were just like, okay, all right, 
here we go. Sure as shit, it, it, changed, it changed it all. Number five, getting out of bounds, Aaron Jones. First of all, like, that was such a crazy play. Uh, we had a couple guys go to the bathroom already, like, trying to beat the halftime lines. And it's a broken play. I'm like, holy shit. And I have no idea why Aaron Jones hesitated. I didn't see that live. So when people were like, Aaron Jones should have scored, I saw that a lot on Twitter after the fact. I was like, what are you talking about? Sure enough, man, like, if Aaron Jones doesn't slow down and keeps running, that's at least a touchdown. But how the fuck, when you know you, your guy has your angle, how do you not get out of bounds there? If he gets out of bounds, he saves the Packers a timeout. The Packers then have two timeouts to work with. Rodgers did get sacked and fumbled. They recovered it, and then they get the field goal block. But, man, this guy could have been the goddamn limit for that. And instead, Green Bay sends up with a block field goal. Another game-changing moment that just kind of, again, took the wind out of the sails. It seemed like whenever Green Bay was trying to get momentum, something would happen. That would be like, nope, we're not letting you get momentum. The only momentum they had was at the start of the game. That was it. But yeah, gotta get out of bounds. Number number six, the offensive line. God damn it, this is another thing on Lafleur. I I for the life of me can't understand the O line combination. Uh, I really hope somebody asks that to Lafleur today because I don't get at why they went Billy Turner at left tackle. Billy Turner got his lunch eaten at Aiton. Good grammar there. Uh, last year in the Tampa Bay game. Why the fuck is Billy Turner at left tackle and you don't move Billy to back to right and you have Josh Neiman in there who already handled this Niners pass rush? Like, someone explain that to me. Someone who had, like, I care about offensive line. I played offensive line. You guys probably know that. So I care about this shit. How the fuck does Josh Neiman not get that opportunity? Josh Neiman deserved that more than anybody on that roster. And he gets fucked? Why? And what did Billy Turner do at left tackle that suddenly makes it... Or Dennis Kelly, I guess, a right tackle. Dennis Kelly stinks. I shouldn't say he stinks. He did admirably to fill in, but come on. That just... That's going to drive me crazy. That That's such a thing that I don't think people will think about, but it's going to drive me nuts. Because I don't understand what Josh Neiman did wrong to like get him basically demoted. Because that's what it felt like. And it's just bullshit from the Packers. And he deserves better. We all deserve better, honestly. And to have to deal with that offensive line combination. We didn't play with each other all year, by the way. This group of five did not play all year. And it fucking showed. Why are we putting out a new set of linemen in the biggest fucking game of the year? Again, somebody explained to me, and I swear to God, if those soft-ass Packer journalists don't ask this question of Lafleur, I'm gonna raise a whole lot of hell. I realize you know they gotta don't have all the questions in the world to ask, but someone please ask about the offensive line. Number seven, being surprised that they would run out of third and seven. I couldn't believe that either. How are you not ready for a Debo Samuel run? Debo really hadn't hurt the Packers all game. And in this third and seven spot, all they had to do is fill a hole. If they fill a hole, Robbie Gold might attempt like a 57-yard field goal, but it would not have 
you know, they'd probably go for it. That that was probably the plan, honestly. If you think about the Josh Allen play today, right? How I've, I forget what this. There's so much to happen in that fucking football game. What a game that was! It was third and six. They ran an Allen run to the left. He ran for like two yards, three yards, and Romo chimes in. It's like, well, they're doing this because they're going to go for it on fourth down. I think that's exactly what the Niners were doing with Debo Samuel. I think they were going to go for it on fourth because their defense was playing so well and Shanahan was going to put his balls on the table again and say, our team's better than yours and try to get the first down and say, all right, well, if we we need to stop a field goal and block another field goal. That's what we're going to do. And sure enough, they get the first down on a run and Green Bay didn't see it coming at all. That's bad preparation by Joe Barry. I thought the defense did really well in this game. I, I I don't have a ton of bad things to say defensively except for that moment. That was the one moment. What the Again, the biggest moment of the year, the Packers come up short. How many fucking times do we have to say that? If someone just keeps contained, Debo's likely stopped. And then there's a fourth down that basically decides everything. Instead, they get, they get the chance for the field goal. And there you have it. Number eight, Josiah Drop is one of those that you'll always kind of look back at and say, all right, that, was, that wasn't great. And man, could they have used Robert Tunyon in this game. Robert Tunyon is an underrated part of this season that I think people lose sight of. Aaron Rodgers had the trust tree with Lazard, Cobb, and maybe this could fold into the Josiah Drop blame of like, Again, to Rodgers, like, I can't believe, I think I counted it, that they the guys not named Adams or Jones had only six targets in the game. That's, oh my God, that's so bad. But that's Aaron. That's playoff Aaron is a, a guy who just seemingly has these demons and he gets locked in and only trusts one guy instead of trusting his whole team who got him there. And... Josiah was definitely in that mix for the drop, and and Rogers was like, all right, fuck it, I'm not not gonna go back to you. Could add Robert Tunyon back. I I can't believe I got ten. I do have ten. Nine injuries. AJ Dillon's injury changed a lot of what the Packers wanted to do. I think that was a huge moment in this game. They had a sternum injury. It's pretty tough to deal with a sternum injury in sub-zero temperatures. Can't really breathe with a sternum injury. Um, totally understand it um, for why Dylan was out. And that changed the dynamic. That's a, another part of this what if. There are going to be so many what ifs from this game. It's, again, all time what if. And that's, I think, what makes it such a bad loss is because there are all the what ifs in the world. And one of them is if A.J. Dylan doesn't get hurt, what changes about this Packer offense? They at least get a few more first downs. Who knows what that means? And then David Bakhtiari. Bakhtiari, we thought would be ready. And I don't know who to blame. I don't know if I should blame Pat McKenzie. I don't know if I should blame Aaron Rodgers for getting him out there against Detroit. I don't I don't know. Or Bakhtiari for being, you know, kind of lazy with his work, his approach. Cam A, like, someone explain this to me. I, I realize they're two way different body types, whatever. But Cam Akers comes back from an ACL tear in five weeks, 
Five months, excuse me, not five weeks. That'd be incredible. Uh, he, or no, it was Achilles. Excuse me, it was Achilles. Five week, five months. And David Bakhtiari's been on the mend now for 13 months. What are we doing? So what is that? Is that a Rams doctor thing? Is that a Bakhtiari wasn't putting in the work that he needed to and it kind of came back to bite him in the ass? I don't know. But please, God, let him be healthy or that contract becomes an albatross. And then that looks really ugly. Now, granted, you would do that deal 9.5 times out of 10. But I do wonder with the way the Packers develop offensive linemen if that is seen as a mistake. And I do wonder if they'll go after a tackle in the draft. I think they will because I do think they want to clear Billy Turner. And I don't think Billy Turner will be on this roster next year. Last thing, rest. And I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but... Man, who knows? Packers would have had to play that Detroit game. Maybe maybe things are a little bit different. I realize last year they had the same time off. But I think they did they have to play week eighteen. Who did they play week eighteen? Was it Detroit again? I'll have to look that I'll look that up really quick. But I, I'm pretty sure they needed to win that game to get the one seed. So they had to play that was that crazy No no, that was two thousand nineteen that was the crazy comeback. But that that was definitely oh let me find it sorry guys oh that's right it was the bears that's right they needed a one seed so they played that entire game against the bears in chicago and they beat the bears 35 to 16 it was pretty much a blowout from the start the bears had a seven nothing lead and then there was the marquez valdez scantling pass daphne caught a touchdown it was 21 to 13 actually had 21 to 16 and then green bay pulls away in the fourth quarter, and the Packers get the one seed, but they had to play that game. They had to play that game. And I look back at that and say, LaFleur has to figure out this rest thing. He's had problems off by. He's had problems now with sort of these, you know, first game of the year, now this. Like, he got to figure some of that out. And that, he, I think that's where you start talking to some of your buddies. You start talking to the older coaches and find out what they do because this shit needs to get fixed. That will do it for today's pod. Back tomorrow. Lose some star ratings. We'll also talk about the exit interview, I'm sure. We'll talk about Grayson Allen and the ridiculous with that. Marquette being hot. Mitch and I will get on the pod soon, I promise. Um, so I think maybe Murph's going to join us, which will be fun. Uh, so we'll see if he, he pops on as well. Uh, we'll talk about that. I'll update you guys on the time frame on, on all those. Appreciate all this pack support during the year for the Packers stuff. It was great. Great interacting with you guys. Thought we'd be doing this till middle of February, but we ended here. Talk a lot about the Packers, though, I'm sure, this offseason and what will likely not be a quiet one. All right, take care of yourself. Have a great Monday, as good of a Monday as you can have it. No bucks. No, I, I don't know if Wisconsin plays, but no, no real sports. But don't sulk, man. Just keep your head up. Be all right. Find some positives. We got a good basketball team, and in the bucks, we have a fun college team in Marquette or Wisconsin, who, or both, whoever you cheer for. It's gonna be all right. We'll we'll ride this shit out because that's what we do. Remember. You can be a Bear Vikings fan and be celebrating losses of other teams like you're a fucking weasel. Or you could be a Lions fan and be cheering on another a guy who wanted to leave your team. But you're a Packer fan. And you 
deal with this shit. It'll get better. All right? So take care. Take it easy. Back tomorrow. See you. Bye.